of Michigan podcast as we bring you episode 15. I am your host, Jeff Wiggins, the state director for the Associated Builders and Contractors of Michigan, broadcasting as always from Freedom Studios here at ABC Michigan headquarters in beautiful downtown Lansing. This week, we had a special guest in studio to talk about some of the issues being debated and acted upon in the Michigan legislature. And that guest was State Representative Bo Lefebvre from the 108th District all the way up in the western part of pure Michigan's glorious Upper Peninsula. Representative Lefebvre is currently in his second term as State Representative, serving as Chairman of the Military Veterans and Homeland Security Committee in the House of Representatives, as well as sitting on the Judiciary, Insurance, Oversight, and Agriculture Committees. No need to delay. Let's get right to it. Joining us here in Freedom Studios at the ABC of Michigan headquarters is everybody's favorite Upper Peninsula legislator, State Representative Bola Fave. Representative, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. So we'll get right into it. There's a lot that's been going on in Lansing uh, the past uh, week or so, and you actually have kind of been uh, part of this discussion as it came through a committee you sit on, this this package of bills, uh, expungement bills, uh, which would essentially, um, among other things, give people, uh, clear their record a little bit for uh, what some have referred to as maybe a bad night back in college or, or a, a, a bad day uh, on the job or something to that effect. Um, Kind of clearing up a criminal record, making them more employable, especially if they've shown signs of reform in their lives and, and making themselves better. Well, if they've went years without committing another violation as right. well. And so uh, that came through, what, what committee did that come from? It came through the Judiciary Committee. Judiciary Committee. And then it went to, it was on the House floor. We're recording this uh, Wednesday afternoon. It was on the House floor yesterday. And it moved off of the House floor with uh, uh, wide ranging bipartisan support. But I noticed you were one of the no votes on it. I was one of seven on one of them. Um, really, I've been the fly on the ointment in this one. Uh, it's a pretty good package of bills. Um, imagine you're 18 years old and you go out joyriding and, you know, you steal a car, joyride. Cops come behind you, lights and sirens, so you start speeding, blowing through intersections, end up crashing the car. Um, we refer to that as one bad night for the purposes of expungement. That's going to be one felony. We're going to be able to loop all those traffic misdemeanors together um, so you're eligible because if you had 30, uh, you know, driving infractions that are misdemeanors uh, under the current rules, you can never get that off of your record. So one bad night turns into a, a lifetime of unemployability. One of the problems with that specific bill by Sherry Gate and Yoga, I believe was 85, was if the vehicle you stole happened to have a pistol in the back seat that you knew nothing about, you could never get that off of your record. Uh, so that's a problem with that bill. Um, unintended weapon possession, I think, should have been included. You know, obviously, if you commit an armed robbery, the gun is integral to the crime. Right. So that would be its separate offense. But if it was unrelated and tangential, we should be able to expunge that as well. So that was part of the problem, as well as, you know, we're talking about 
felony domestic abusers and criminal sexual conduct fourth degree is expungible under this package. But first time OWI is not. That would be operating while under the influence? Yes. Blowing .08, not causing injury or death, first time offense is expressly not expungible under this package. So that was my main concern with the bill package. We're getting rid of all the marijuana convictions of things that are now legal. We're expunging all of the marijuana stuff that's still illegal, but not first time OWI. And that's the number one reason why my constituents can't get a job. Well, and I think... Not all of them, to be fair. Right. No, and I think that it actually could play a role in our industry, in the construction industry, because say you have a bad night back when, when you're in college and you are you do get an OWI, then you want to get your commercial license, your Absolutely. commercial driving license. Yeah. That's that that prevents you uh, from getting it. And the the argument can be made, you know, if 15 years down the line, you want to get your commercial commercial license to operate. And this this one bad night is on there uh, that could prevent you from getting it. And so I think the argument is made if, if you have those rare circumstances where somebody uh, clearly is not a, a regular offender. Yes. That the discussion. I mean, if you've gotten three of these things, I get it. Um, but we're talking about, and we're not. They keep calling it expungement. Really, what it is is really more of a set aside. Let's say I was successful. I got my amendment for first time OWI. You know, the guy had one 15 years ago. Gets it set aside so they don't have to disclose it on a job application. And then they get another one under the bills. If my amendment were to pass, they can still get charged with OWI second offense, even though the first one has been set. Aside, it's not really been expunged. The prosecutors and the police officers still know about it, so they can charge you with OWI second. Well, that bill, uh, that package of bills, made it through the House of Representatives and is now moving on to the Senate, where uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see it be taken up. I know some folks over in the Senate have, are big proponents of this, and you actually have a large group of interesting bedfellows supporting this package of bills. I believe you have the folks from the Mackinac Center for Public Policy, you know, uh, uh, Americans for Prosperity. Well, you also have uh, folks that tend to come from the other side of the yep. aisle. And so it's, it's always a unique thing with these criminal justice reforms. Like and the I, ACLU. Like the ACLU. Yeah, exactly. So from what I understand, you're, you're there in principle. Absolutely. You just like to see a couple more changes well, to it to get you over that. Funny bedfellows. Uh, the attorney general agrees with me. Uh, we should put the OWI offense in there. So I, is is that the first time you guys have agreed on something? No, I, I think we also agree that the energy prices in the UP are too high. All right. Well, see, you guys can come together on something. Absolutely. Things. Very good. All right. Also, uh, maybe you're well. N- now that we've uh, been able to establish the two things that you guys do agree on, let's talk about something that you absolutely do not agree on, and that is the Line Five pipeline, which yep. we have gotten some news lately the court of claims has ruled that the uh, attorney general's law or excuse me the attorney general's opinion on the constitutionality of a bill essentially allowing the pipeline to be built or the tunnel to encase the pipeline to be built uh, to move forward court of claims has ruled it is not unconstitutional giving essentially giving enbridge the company who owns the line five pipeline that goes under the straits of Mackinac, uh, thumbs up to go ahead. Yeah. Right now we have a pipeline in between the peninsulas that transmits oil and supplies two thirds of the upers and the propane they need to heat their homes and even more 
of people, lower lower Michigan as well. This is about 200,000 people in the UP and 600,000 in lower northern lower get their propane from pipe, Pipeline 5. Um, there have been concerns from environmentalists that the pipeline at any moment could kill everyone. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to build a tunnel and make Canada pay for it. Put the tunnel, the the pipeline in the tunnel so it'd be safe from eco-terrorists and anchors alike uh, and be much safer and I'm very excited that the Canadians are willing to do this uh, but the Attorney General and the Governor uh, have to pander to their woke leftist environmental base so they've done everything they can to shut this thing down even though Canadians are paying for it and using union labor uh, again you'd think that the Democrats would be supportive of their, their union friends but apparently not on this one well and that's and that's another thing I think you see uh, everybody in the trades and the construction industry coming together on this one saying we support the construction of this tunnel. It's a half a billion dollars. Right. It's going to create a whole bunch of jobs and not just jobs in the short term. You're going to have jobs long term because there's going to be maintenance on this. And it's not just going to be for the pipeline. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be an opportunity to... Uh, utilize a bunch of other utilities that could realistically go through this pipeline yeah. and have more connection between the upper and lower it's peninsula. It's very frustrating when you talk to woke leftists on this topic because they keep saying an anchor could strike and kill this pipeline at any time. Therefore, don't build the tunnel. Well, I would love to remind them that when the anchor strike did happen last year, it dented line five, caused no damage of any substance, but it ripped out the electrical lines that connect the UP and the Lower Peninsula, those are insulated with toxic chemicals that spilled into the lake, but nobody wants to talk about those. Those electrical lines need to be there, but we could do it safer by putting them in a tunnel, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Well, and we've heard that Enbridge uh, is is looking at uh, moving forward with this. However, the Attorney General has indicated she is appealing to the Michigan Court of Appeals, this decision that's been handed down. So I trust that we have not heard the last of this issue in the courts. And it may get delayed just a bit further before this pipeline, uh, this tunnel that will encase the Line 5 pipeline will go forward. But we are going to wait and see on that. Well, we'll look towards the courts. Fortunately, the governor hasn't won a single of her constitutional court cases yet. Um, So you got to ask the question, is the governor sick of winning yet? (laughs) All right. Well, speak. uh, Well, well, staying on subject there, the governor did not win. On another issue that you were actually pretty vocal of because it included uh, one of your fellow youpers at the at the heart of the matter. And that's regarding the flavored nicotine ban that was put in place uh, by the state government and was overruled very quickly uh, by the courts uh, while they explore the issue further. Yep. Give us a little background on that and how you kind of come into play yeah. on this. So the, for years and decades now, we've had this substance called tobacco and you put it into papers and you smoke it and you get addicted to nicotine. Fortunately, we have a new substance that we can use uh, with technology and use water vapor and nicotine with some flavoring in it. Um, It's not the same as smoking, I'm told, but uh, much, much less addictive, much, much less, it's much less harmful. Um, The British government has determined that it's 95% less less toxic than traditional cigarettes. That's why they're putting vape shops in hospitals, in their government-run hospitals in England, and the governor has decided to ban flavored e-cigarettes for adults because some kids are using them. And it's incredibly frustrating and it makes absolutely no sense. Over 80% of adults who use nicotine, these nicotine delivery uh, devices, e-cigarettes as they're called, Mm -hmm. use a flavor other than tobacco flavor. 
Um, especially if you're a menthol smoker, you're probably going to want some sort of mint flavoring in your e-cigarette. The governor, using an obscure health emergency code, issued rules basically banning the substance. And fortunately, the courts have ruled that the governor cannot create an emergency to issue rules on an emergency. Basically, they said, you have not done your job of trying to stop this enough before you can just declare it an emergency. And for that reason, we declare your emergency null and void. And I I saw that we had uh, some hearings here in Lansing. I believe uh, Chairman Hall with the House Oversight Committee took some testimony on this. And I believe folks have even introduced bills to allow for uh, I guess maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, is it uh, to ban the ban? Yeah, or, ban or the ban. Ban the ban. Yeah, we're going to ban the baiting ban and we're going to ban the e-cigarette ban. I introduced that bill and so did Representative Johnson. All right. Well, while, while we're on the fact, explain to me this baiting ban. Yep. Now, I am I am not what you call a regular hunter. I'm a big fisher. I've been hunting once. Um, why is this such a big issue? And what is the issue? So the Natural Resources Commission, which which is tasked with making hunting and fishing rules, has decided that the two-gallon limit of feed and bait for hunting is not allowed in all of Lower Michigan, as well as almost my entire house district in the Upper Peninsula Delta, Dickinson, Menominee County. And what that means for non-hunters is your grandmother's not allowed to throw a piece of bread in her backyard. So it's wildly inappropriate that the Natural Resources Commission would be making rules prohibiting grandmothers from throwing an apple in their backyard. And on top of that, their argument is if you bait deer, they are going to be closer together and more likely to spread disease. And we don't want disease spread. Well, I understand. Are they going to ban the rut? No, uh, they can't do that. They didn't ban food plots, which obviously are designed to congregate deer. They didn't ban large-scale industrial farming. And when you farm a cornfield, some of the corn spills off of the, the, the vehicle, and the deer come by and they eat it. So this ban is only just frustrating hunters. And we need those hunters to pay license fees to pay for conservation efforts and study exactly what we can do to stop the spread of diseases. So hunters, uh, there is legislation to get rid of this ban. Uh, What's the process on that? Where is that at in the process? Ted Nugent came in and supported it. I want to thank Uncle Ted. It was really cool to have him in Lansing. And the bill passed the Michigan House of Representatives yesterday by a one vote extra, 57. We only need 56. So a little bit of an overachiever on that. There you go. uh, We got that through the House. Uh, It proceeds to the Senate next. And I really hope it gets a quick hearing. Uh, This un-American is what this ban is. You know, telling little old ladies in nursing homes that they can't put a carrot in the backyard out the window and watch the deer is ridiculous. Any indication that the governor will sign or veto this? Oh, I'm, I'm sure she's considering pulling out her veto pen on this one, but uh, I would just like to remind everybody, if you're, uh, you know, younger than the age of 60 and you got good hips and good knees and are in good physical shape, you can go out and stock deer and then you can go get them. But if you have a disability or you're getting up there in age, the only real chance you have of getting a deer is by using some bait or by going into a farmer's field who has food on the ground already. This is really hurting the elderly and people with disabilities.
More to be seen on that if the, uh, the Senate takes this up uh, quickly, as you have hopefully you are hoping for. Uh, speaking of hunting, you had, you had something recently come out on hunting, House Bill 4332. Allow the DNR to issue permits allowing the use of, uh, what are pneumatic air bows during bow season? Yes. So we have regular bows and arrow, we have crossbows, and now we're going to get air bows. And what they do is they fire an arrow, but instead of using a string, it uses compressed air. And why I'm asking for this during bow season is... If you're, uh, you know, an able-bodied individual with two good shoulders and arms, you can use a bow and arrow, and you can hunt deer from October 1 to January 1, I believe. That's a long time, but if you have upper limb disabilities, you're limited to firearm season, which is 15 days, plus the liberty hunt, which is two weekends. So you're looking at 19 days. So you go from 90 days to 19 for people with disabilities. Individuals that have only one arm cannot use crossbows or regular bows. Those are inherently two-handed weapons. But an air bow, you can set it down. You can pump it up with a little CO2 tank, and you can cock it, and you can shoot it all with one hand. So individuals who've served and lost a limb fighting for our freedom overseas or people like myself who have a birth defect and and don't have full use of both hands would benefit from using air bows. So the bill says that for people with the disability, they'll be able to use it during bow season. And and right now I can use an air bow. If somebody breaks into my home, uh, I can can load my air bow and I can kill them. Uh, But I can't shoot a deer in my backyard even during firearm season. So for everybody who doesn't have a disability would be able to use this bow-like device during rifle season. How many puns have you made with uh, your name, first name being Bo, and yeah. working on this bow bill? Well, it's been a lot, and also I'd like to remind my constituents, yes, it is bow season, but it is not legal to shoot your representative. No no, no bows to be used on bow. There you go. All right. So Unless, of course, I break into your home, then please shoot me. Then, I'm, yeah, I'm on the, a rampage. Have the I need right to, be, to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why I won't do that. So, um, but I could get it expunged. There you go. So what's, what's, uh, coming up? You're in your second term as a state representative. Um, we're pretty much halfway through your allotted time I know. in the house of representatives where, uh, all representatives are allowed to, uh, serve three, two year terms. You are in the middle of your second term. So, uh, assuming reelection goes well in 2020, uh, you will, you will have six years here. What's, what's next on the agenda? What do you working on what you would be looking for um i know you've done some skilled trade stuff in the past with the uh, internships in high school and things like that anything our members should be on the lookout for yeah well I, I, that internship is fantastic um i was very proud of that i ran on that i ran on that and car insurance reform i'm out of things to complain about but we'll have to come up with some more um so working on that i'm also the chairman of the military veterans affairs and homeland security committee where we strive every day to come up with ways to help those who've served us and protected our freedoms. Uh, so we have some interesting license plate bills coming up. It's about a 10 bill package. Uh, right now, if you are hundred percent military disabled, you can get a disabled veterans plate. It's free of charge. You get a free license plate. But if you wanted instead to get an army plate or an Iraq plate, you have to pay for that. And not only do you have to pay for the registration, you have to pay a $5 fee for the license plate as well. So my legislation as well as representative of Howell and Vopel and a couple Democrats, uh, all of it together would say, listen, if you are 100% military disabled, you already get a free license plate if you choose the one we want you to. Our bills 
all together will say, no, you can have any plate you want. It'll be free of charge. And not only that, you're going to get into the state parks without paying for a park passport. And the DV plate also works for handicap parking. It seems like that's a, uh, a small thing that we can give to our 100% disabled veteran. Yeah, uh, just a small token of our overwhelming gratitude and thanks for all that they have done for us and continue to do. Very good. Well, Representative, we know you are uh, extremely busy, but we thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today. Don't be a stranger. Feel free to stop by anytime. I might be busy, but I'm never too busy to talk to good freedom-loving folks like you guys. Very so, good. Thank you very much. Well, that will just about wrap things up for us here on the ABC of Michigan podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to continuing to keep you updated on what's going on in the construction industry in Michigan and the country, as well as any major developments or policies coming out of Lansing that could affect you, your family, or your business. We would also like to extend a special thanks to Representative Lefebvre for agreeing to take time out of his busy schedule to chat with us. And of course, we will continue to provide interviews with great people from around the state and across the country who share our commitment to bringing people together to build and strengthen our communities safely, efficiently, and freely. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on our audio platforms. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You'll also be able to find and interact with us on the social media platform of your choosing. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and our handle is simply at ABC Michigan. Again, I am Jeff Wiggins with the ABC of Michigan podcast signing off. And as always, until next time, be well, my friends. (laughs) 